quick recap of the story so far uh, in Revelation. Uh, we've we've gotten just a, like past the uh, the the point where uh, John of Patmos, our uh, protagonist in Revelation, uh, so our, our protagonist uh, John of Patmos, uh, he is in exile um, on the island of Patmos. He's been uh, put there because he is uh, he's. Uh, for the sake of, of the preaching of the word uh, of God. And he has this vision, an ecstatic vision uh, of, uh, first of all, of like a, a, a guy who is, um, it says his, his uh, body looks like jasper or carnelian or like a gemstone. And uh, this figure who is identified with a figure back in Daniel gives uh, a message to seven churches that are in Asia Minor. And we went through those one by one. Uh, and then John is drawn up into another ecstatic vision of um, a, a throne room scene. And he sees a figure on the throne who seems to be God the Father um, and who seems to have aspects of God the Son and, and uh, God the Holy Spirit as well. Um, and he sees the, the throne surrounded by these 24 elders. Uh, and we talked about the idea that these 24 elders, are, are they probably represent the, the, the entirety of the believing community across time, right? Because there were 12 apostles and 12 tribes of Israel. So uh, combined, that's like the, the number of the whole believing community across time. Uh, and everybody is bummed out because they want to know who can open this scroll. And we, we went back and we looked at Daniel and saw that, that Daniel had also seen this book or this scroll. Um, and they're bummed out because nobody can open it. And they say, who's worthy, right? The, the, the four creatures that are there. Uh, and uh, it, when, we, when we left off, uh, they had found somebody who was worthy. It was uh, the, the, um, the Lion of Judah, right? And he looks, and it's a lamb, right? And it's symbolically uh, Jesus Christ. So this week, uh, and then uh, some open questions uh, that I haven't answered so far, but I will. Um, it mentions the seven spirits of God, uh, and that was a question that came up from a couple people. I just have not had time to look, um, but I will return to that next week. Um, and th then uh, we've talked a lot about the Old Testament imagery that's in uh, the book of Revelation so far, right? Like that, that same figure that, that uh, John saws, uh, John saw. John sees, Daniel saw, uh, back in Daniel, like this, uh, this uh, figure that looks like uh, his, it's made of gemstones and uh, has this voice like many waters. Um, we saw a lot of comparisons to Ezekiel and things that Ezekiel saw in the first chapter of Ezekiel. Um, so there's a lot of uh, interconnection between what's going on in uh, these first few chapters of Revelation and what's, what went on in the Old Testament uh, in some of the prophetic writings. This week we're going to talk about uh, New Testament writings that are, um, that are connected up with uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, and then I, I'm hoping, uh, but I don't know if we're going to have time, that we'll read through Revelation 6 through 10. This is the opening of the seals. So they, the Lamb opens seven seals on the book, um, and that leads to seven trumpets. And that leads to seven bowls being poured out, uh, and then three woes. Uh, and that, so there's this very deliberate structure of these seven things that happen uh, in, in uh, kind of a, a, a triumvirate at the end of, of Revelation. Or I'm sorry, in the middle of Revelation. 
Uh, but I want to turn to these, uh, these New Testament passages because they're going to give us some context and some background for what is happening in those passages. So uh, the Olivet Discourse is, begins in Matthew 24, 1. Uh, and this is, this is Jesus. Uh, he is, uh, this, Matthew is structured around five different discourses or five different speeches that Jesus gives. Uh, and they're, uh, so an event will happen and then he'll have like a long talk that he gives, uh, including the Sermon on the Mount. That's one of the, the long discourses uh, in Matthew. And the last one is this, uh, this discourse or speech that he gives uh, on, uh, in Olivet, and it is um, also called the Little Apocalypse. Uh, and you'll see that, that the, the theme of it is uh, basically what's going to happen at the end of time. Like, what, 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 when will we know that you're going to return? Uh, so let's begin in uh, Matthew 24, chapter, or Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. He says, or it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? That's, th- that's three different questions, right? Um, they don't, they're maybe not thinking of it that way, but so wh- when's the temple going to be torn down? Right? When, when are you coming back? And when's the end of the world? There are really three questions there, but they ask them all kind of at once. Uh, very quickly, uh, we're not going to go all the way back to Ezra and Nehemiah and talk about the temple, but th- this is the second version of the temple that has existed, right? The, the first temple, uh, which was like a, a Fabergé egg of a building, like very sm- pretty small, but beautiful, like one of the wonders of the ancient world, uh, Solomon's temple. Um, it, was, it was burned down by the Babylonians, it was torn down, uh, and then... Uh, after the exile, right, Ezra and, ne- and, and the events of Ezra and Nehemiah happen, um, and together they come back, and they have, a, they have a, a, a warrant from the king of the Persian Empire to rebuild the temple, and they do. Uh, that temple is um, so disappointing, to, right, because there are people who are alive when they go, that saw the first temple when they go back, and they see the second temple, uh, and it says they wept because it was so inadequate. It, it just di- did not uh, reflect what, what that first temple was like. But it was a temple, so it operated. It was, uh, the sacrifices went on there. Just a little bit of context about the temple as it existed in Jesus' time. Uh, so Herod the Great, uh, he was a Roman client king, um, or so he's a, he's a member of the Herodian dynasty who's appointed by uh, the Romans as a king over that state. He actually, one of his great projects was to expand the temple platform. He didn't tear down the, the second temple. So this is still the second temple, but he, he basically tore it down to the foundations and the chimneys uh, and then expanded the platform uh, and created this enormous limestone edifice uh, that, that's huge. So the temple platform that we have today in Jerusalem is like how big it was, and it's like as big as a football field. Um, so it was, it was this enormous construction that was designed to bring people into the city. Um, 
which is why they were pointing at it, right? The disciples are like, isn't it awesome? And Jesus is like, well, it's not going to be around for very much longer, so uh, I guess. Um, so they ask him about these three questions, and in verse 4, Jesus says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore... So, just to back up a bit, when, when we go into Revelation at the end of this and we start unpacking the, the seven different seals that are opened, the seven bowls and the seven trumpets, you're going to see a lot of overlap between the types of signs that he's talking about here and what happens uh, with respect to those, uh, those different uh, items uh, that are listed. Uh, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither, neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to, the t to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should, be no flesh be, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So he's saying, things are going to be so bad that if I didn't intervene, if I didn't return, um, the whole human race would be extinguished, right? Everyone would die, but I'll come back. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arrive, arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. And I won't, I'm not going to read any more uh, from this uh, particular discourse uh, until we get to 
34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, a pause here, um, right? Because a lot in modern English, when you say this generation, right? It means like, like I don't know. I, I, no, nobody's here. I, I, well, I don't know. There are people here who are about the same age as I am, right? I'm getting older, I just realized. So, um, (laughs) yeah, so, um, but, right, you think of it as kind of your peer group, right? People who are in my generation or people who are uh, around 50, right? Man, that sounds, that's oof, oof. Yeah, it's coming. Um, So... So, generations. Um, in the time that the, um, the, the King James Version was created, right, like in the 1600s, uh, the word generation meant like, uh, like this kind of person, or like it, it meant something much broader than we think of, right? We think of like, so... Uh, you mean I personally, like when we read this, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled, right? Now, if, 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 you, were stand, if you were standing in the audience, you're a modern English speaker, you would think, oh, that means he's coming back in my, lifetime, in my theoretical lifetime, right? And, and clearly some people did think that. Um, and of course, he's speaking in Aramaic and it's getting translated into Greek, but... Um, generation for the King James translators, it meant like this kind of person. Um, so the kind of people that he's addressing, the faithful, they're not going right. They're not going to disappear ever before he returns. They will continue to exist. Uh, that always confused me that passage, and so I, I did some study. But eh, it's okay. 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that ye shall make him, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we're not going to read further, um, and you can read chapter 25 uh, in your spare time if you want to, but 
Notice the themes here, right? One, the ending of the, the coming of the next age, right? Christ's return is, is accompanied by catastrophic, apocalyptic events, right? Uh, great, uh, a great tumult and uh, turbulence in nature, right? All of nature will be turned, turned against man. Um, it'll be accompanied by wars and rumors of wars, by all kinds of conditions and problems and pestilences and plagues and evils. Um, it, like, it, it will come. And he says, that the other big theme here uh, is that it, it won't necessarily change the heart of people who are not elect, of the, of the people that, that are not Christians. And you're going to see that as a theme in Revelation over and over and over again. Uh, the kings of the earth are like, the, we'll read the passage, but they, when all these things start happening, they run into the wilderness and they say, rocks fall on us, right? Because they want to hide. Uh, but it doesn't say they repented. Their hearts are hardened. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the uh, overwhelming themes of Revelation and of this, this little apocalypse. Uh, and finally, um, uh, Jesus says something that we've talked about kind of repeatedly throughout this. How should you act in light of the knowledge that he is coming? We should act like he's coming tomorrow, right? Like your, your behavior um, towards others um, in community with them, uh, your uh, representation of Christ in the world shouldn't be any different if he's coming 15 minutes from now than it is if he's coming 15 years or 15 centuries, um, you, you should act as if he's you, you should act as if his coming is imminent. Um, so uh, that's not the only passage in the New Testament that uh, other passage besides uh, Revelation that deals with these themes, though. So let's turn to Second Peter. And I, I think this is interesting because I, I, I believe that Peter um, probably. Was, he was certainly in the audience, uh, and he probably thought, Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. I, he probably thought that. Yeah, the, the disappointment in Second Peter is kind of palpable, uh, but also he's reconciled to it. So let's turn to Second Peter 3. We're going to read 1 through 11, and he says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your, per, your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing that first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the, the world that, wa that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto, unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, and will, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all conversation and godliness? And then he goes on to describe how you should be, uh, just as Jesus did uh, a few moments ago in, in the passage that we read in Matthew. What's Peter's point? Well, he said in the last days, uh, you, you are, and even now, you are going to experience people who say, Where, where's, where's Jesus? It's been 2,000 years and things go on just as they always have, right? Since the fathers fell asleep, which is kind of a cool, uh, a cool phrase. Things go on as they, as they have from age to age, every day, and yet he hasn't returned. Um, and then Peter says, uh, he intimates and says that, well, the, the folks who didn't expect the flood were kind of surprised by it, um, right? Like it came suddenly, uh, and then the world was covered with water. But, you know, back in uh, Genesis, God said, no more water fire next time, right? And he's like, he says, the world will be dissolved in fire next time, and, it, and people won't expect it. It's coming, right? These apocalyptic, convulsive changes are coming, um, and they'll fall on people unaware. And then he says, how should you act in light of that? Act like he's coming tomorrow. So uh, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. And I think this hits most of the major passages, um, which I want to refer back to as we uh, continue to work our way through Revelations uh, 4, 13 through 18. Just a couple of facts about Thessalonians that might help contextualize this. Um, the book of Thessalonians is written... So if you go back and work your way through Acts, you'll see that um, Paul basically has like a cup of coffee with the Thessalonians. Like He's there an extremely short period of time. Um, and these people immediately become absolutely committed to, uh, to, to the cause of Christ and immediately begin to suffer persecution. Um, now, I, I can't, I mean, they're a martyr church almost from the beginning of their existence. Um, I can't imagine the kind of faith that it would take to hear, I mean, Paul is a good preacher for sure, um, but I, I can't imagine the kind of faith it would take to here, you know, a guy. The Holy Spirit must have been at work in that congregation in, in a way that that was incredible. Because this guy comes in, preaches to them for basically two weeks. Uh, they say, "Yes, we believe," and then suddenly they're under fire, right, from the government, from from their neighbors. They're suffering persecution. People are being killed, and yet they yet they maintain their faith. But they had these questions, and so Paul maintained correspondence with them. Uh, and one of the questions that they had was, uh, I'm, I'm worried because my, my Christian brother died. Like, what, what happened to him? When's, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to be raised from the dead in the final, you know, in the final day? Is he going to stay dead? What's, what's going to happen? So uh, Paul writes this letter, uh, and it deals with many things. But in 4.13, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, uh, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them, uh, or not precede them, which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. 
and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Um, so, right, he's explaining that this is going to happen in the last day, right? The dead in Christ shall rise, and then we'll be caught up together with them in the air. Uh, and then finally, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 12. 2 Thessalonians, I'm sorry. 2, 1 through 12. Um, let, let me say, too, I, I read a, a really good article over the weekend on, on Easter Day. It's published by a, um, a professor from, uh, she teaches at Biola now. Um, she's a professor of Old Testament studies, Carmen Imes. Um, and it, her, the, the title of the article, which is clickbait, was, Does, does, does Easter Matter? Um, and, of course, the answer is yes. But... Um, she, the, the real question that's posed in the article is, does, does it matter if Jesus really rose from the dead and his lungs drew breath and blood flowed through his body again? Uh, and she answers and says, yes, it, it matters, right? If, if Jesus Christ didn't, uh, like Paul says himself, right? If, Christ didn't, if there's no bodily resurrection and we're of all men most miserable, what are we, what are we putting ourselves through this for? Um, and her, her statement, which I, I hadn't thought about before, but is true, is if there's no bodily resurrection, Jesus Christ did not rise from the grave and blood did not flow through his body and he did not draw breath, then Christianity is a satanic lie. It's the worst lie that was ever told in all the history of mankind. And we should immediately reject it and walk away if we don't believe that. I thought that was, that, that's a really powerful way of putting it. Um, so anyway, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, 1 through 12. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, uh, as that uh, the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing him himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, but now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that, and this is all very complicated. We're going, to get it to, we're going to get into it next week. But And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they, might, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We're going to talk about that a lot in a couple, in a couple weeks, but we're going to see this figure um, who he's talking about. is commonly identified as the Antichrist uh, in Revelation. Uh, and we're going to talk through uh, what what that could mean and who that might be and, and what that uh, what that means for us. So uh, I am at 735. Uh, we're going to read Revelation chapter 6, and then we're going to stop for the week.
And this is the first. So remember, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, but uh, they flow into one another, right? The, the, seventh, the seventh seal leads to the seven trumpets. The thing that's in it is the seven trumpets. The last trumpet is the seven bowls. that summons these seven bowls. So uh, there, is, there are two ways of looking at this passage, or the, this set of passages that we're going to read. One is that all of these events are sequential, right? It's a linear narrative where, well, you know, first this trumpet is blown, and then that trumpet, and then, right? And so you, you go along, and each one is a progression in time. The other is that John is painting a picture of the, things are getting really bad. <laughs> like, it, it's all happening kind of at the same time, and things are just awful. Um, and we'll talk about the merits and, and, and uh, disadvantages of both, those, both of those approaches next week. So chapter 6. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword, right? war and rumors of war. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the, the third beast say, Come and see. And I behold, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. That's death. Verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. What, what's it talking about? Starvation. Starvation. In, inflation. Food is so expensive. Right, you you cannot you cannot afford it. Um, yeah, we're headed there. <laughs> that's, that's right, Matthew. Go to go to Kroger, my brother in Christ, and you will be, you will see the the third horseman. Um, cha- chapter seven, or I'm sorry, verse seven. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, "Come and see." And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony that they, which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them, that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell under the, uh, fell under the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. 
For the great day of his wrath is coming. Who shall be able to stand?